We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Perpetual Chess. We've got another exciting guest for you all this week. He is a well-known Dutch trainer, an acclaimed author of many books, perhaps best known for chess strategy for club players. Um, He's been training for more than 45 years. He's worked with well-known Dutch players like GM Luke Van Wiele, GM Jan Werle, GM Benjamin Bach. He's also a writer and a chess dad, international master, Herman Groten. Thank you for joining us here. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for uh, for making this work. I know that we're both dads in addition to all of our uh, chess and career responsibilities, and I understand you're running in from a soccer match. Is that right? Yes, well, it was a soccer training, also a very popular sport in Holland, and my son is uh, attending to this sport and uh, with his team, and I'm training the team uh, most of uh, one time in a week. Uh, and they play a, a match in the, in the weekend most of the times. And how does, as a, a very experienced and um, 
accomplished chess trainer. How does do you find much um overlap between the the practice methods you try to teach in chess to so the ones you're trying out in uh, uh, football, aka soccer? Well, there are some some similarities. Um, uh, for instance, uh, you have to see the game, uh, as they say. Um, that means that when um, you have to 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 put uh, in the chess game, you have to put your pieces in the right position. So you have to also you have to do it with the with the players, and um, that means that um, when you are on the ball and you have to pass the the ball to another guy who is in in a free uh, position, and that's not so easy uh, to get. To get uh, his, his his mates in the in, in free possessions, and um, there I think there are a lot of uh, a lot of similarities. Also, we are talking about attacking uh, play. We are talking about defense. We are talking about um, um, uh, let's say um, um, well, after a match, a football match, you are exhausted, and after a chess game, you are exhausted as well. So you have you need a good condition. Right for both, and and your son likes them both as of now. Yes, he likes to uh, to run, and uh, well, we think it's very healthy to uh, to be outside and uh, to run behind the ball. It's very good, and uh, in, in Holland, soccer is very popular sport. We are a very small country, but uh, we used to have very good players, also very good trainers. They have. Um, there's a lot of education about this uh, this area, and uh, so um, I think we can be proud that we we had uh, two or three times we we were attending to the to the World Cup final. Such a such a small country. That's uh, that's a big achievement, I think. Yeah, quite a storied. I'm I'm just a like a typical American. I'm a very casual uh, football slash soccer fan, but I played enough uh, FIFA FIFA World Cup to know that the, ah. the, the the video game to know that the Netherlands was a That's very nice yes. a force to be reckoned with. Um, so your son plays. You were mentioning just before we recorded uh, some of the accomplishments. Your son, he's he's under ten years old, or at least was at at the time of uh, a, quite an accomplishment. So why don't you share with our listeners what it is that that he recently won? Well, last year when he was eight, he um, he won the Dutch Championship under ten, and that was uh, the first time in uh, in history that uh, an eight year old uh, could achieve this. And um, we were. Um, me and my girlfriend are very um, um, uh, quite strong chess players, but we were, we were very surprised as well because um, he was not uh, not quite a favorite in this tournament. There were a lot of uh, good players, and um, but he took them all with eight and a half out of nine, and and, and took the championship one and a half point behind number number second. And the federation was so surprised that uh, she, um, the federation uh, did send him to uh, the world championship under under eight. In uh, it was called the, the world championship for cadets in Spain last year. It was in November, and uh, this Dutch championship was in March, by the way. No, I, yeah, it was in March last year, t- 2018. So he went to um, to the 11 round uh, tournament world championship in uh, in Spain and uh, for him it was a very nice experience because he had to play 11 rounds with one rest day and he had to be there for two weeks and uh, he had never flight before in, a, in an aeroplane so it was also uh, a big experience of course 
and um, um, finally he um, he um, he finished on fifty uh, percent, but he was very unsatisfied with his result because uh, he started with three out of three, and uh, he was um, he was doing very well. And uh, but then um, something happened in the in the eighth round. He was um, exchanged up in the in the ending and. Uh, against a knight and a rook against a knight and totally winning endgame and then he gave away the rook with the knight forked oh, ouch. and uh, and that was uh, that was very painful and yeah. after that he didn't uh, he didn't reach his, his his normal level anymore and um, I also would like to say that he was also playing on, in the penultimate round against uh, an American um, uh, guy who was um, champion of the states in 2070 under seven, and uh, this was a this was a nice game between both of them. Um, my son Tommy um, lost a pawn in the opening, but then he fight he fought back very well, and it was a very unclear position. And then this American guy was very clever. He did nothing with his, his pieces. He was just waiting. Mm-hmm. He was just waiting. What are you going to do? And that was very clever because he he had to wait himself, but he had no uh, clue about this. And uh, yeah, this was a very nice experience because uh, he started to do some action which was uh, unmotivated and he lost after it. So it was very very useful to have such uh, strong opponents. Yeah, so he's getting all the lessons out of the way between the painful blunder and the, the trying to force the action. Um, yes. But, I mean, of course, I, I'm speaking as if I'm such an authority, but I'm guessing... Uh, that your son is probably pretty close to to me in strength if he's going to the World Cadet. Does he have an ELO rating? Well, yeah, he had the ELO rating of uh, 1,750, something like that. And uh, but in, with this rating, but it was it was a little bit uh, strange rating. It was based on on only five games, so it says nothing. Yeah, because these days the top cadet players are generally in the 2,100 range, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the just, Mer- just another amazing American guy. He, he was um, uh, almost twenty-two hundred. Yeah, and he was. Uh, he won the championship with a ten half out of eleven. Man, incredible uh, score! And he, yeah. this 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 guy is really strong. Yeah, well, us us old guys will try not to dwell on it too much. I mean, it is good that the younger generation is, uh, you know, building on on what's been learned in chess. But but man, do they pick yeah. it up quickly. Um, but yeah, they're taking over. <laughs> yeah, they really are. Yeah, but let's change the subject, or at least change it a little bit. So, as a parent, I mean, again, you're co- such an accomplished trainer. Um, your books are written. I know that you say uh, you say that chess strategy for club players is theoretically for club players, but I mean, it's it's challenging material. And I'm guessing with your son, really? with your son, you you probably basically started from scratch. So, what was that experience like teaching your son chess and helping him along the way? Well, I have to say, my my son um, doesn't like to train very 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 much. <laughs> so he likes to play outside. So he's not training too much. Okay, good. Um, yeah, good for him. But he like he likes to invent everything by by him by him own by his own. When you ask him who learned you the rule, who did learn you the rules of chess, he says, "I learned it from my uh, app on my tablet." <laughs> not. Not my parents. My parents right. were both chess players, but no, my parents didn't teach me the rules. It was the app. Is it a particular <laughs> app that he? Credits? Yeah, there's a particular app. Well, uh, well, uh, you 
where you have uh, several levels and he started to uh, to beat the the weakest level it was called the monkey and this monkey uh, didn't take anything uh, which which you were uh, giving away and it's um, it, it, it plays blunder of over blunder right uh, so it was very nice and very successful to to learn the rules by this by this app because it was uh, it gives um, lights when you uh, press uh, a piece it gives lights on the on the on the screen where you where you can um, imagine where the bishop can go where the rook can go where the queen can go so he learned that basically with this app yeah he played thousands of games with um, with this monkey and he was um, laughing all the time <laughs> so he had a lot of jo- it was very uh, enjoyable uh, is it a Dutch language app or English language? Or? It's an English in language app. Um, well, it's called Chess, but it has a lot of lot of apps that's called Chess. Right. Okay. Uh, it's, it, uh, it's for the the Android uh, uh, so he telephones. Cl- so he claims to be self-taught, but as he's getting better and better, has that changed at all, or is he still mostly just sort of doing? I mean, you playing outside as kids should be, but is he doing yeah. some tactics, or is there anything else he's, you're managing yeah. to sneak in with him? Yeah, well, uh, we t- when before he um, he was chosen to go to the to the world championship, we said to him that he had to do some training uh, training uh, scheme, and uh, he was uh, he was willing to do it. But um, uh, we said to him maybe it it would be good that you would study forty five minutes a day, um, and um, he agreed. But there was one condition. Um, he liked to have a big Pokemon set. <laughs> nice. after, after two months, he was neg- negotiating about it. Uh-huh. He would do it uh, only if uh, if he could uh, win this uh, big Pokemon set. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so he so we gave him it. before the championship. He got it in the plane. <laughs> it was incredible. He did tactics. He did also uh, some other material I had um, I had made uh, before. And uh, he was also playing games on uh, on the internet. He, he has um, he's playing the chess kit. Uh, that's, that's from chess.com, huh? Right. And uh, later he's he switched to Lee Chess, which is also an American site, I think. Uh, it's sure. kind of a, you know kind it? of a multicultural Lee Chess. I did have their founder on, who is from France. Um, so, oh, so from but, France, yes. yeah, but they have every you know they have various. Uh, very, they have people from all over the world pitching in and uh, okay. you know um, yeah, yeah. making the product right. better. So, yeah, that's very nice. And um, he likes to play on the internet a little. In, in the beginning, he was just looking to his rating, but now he, now he says uh, just playing is 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 nice. And um, well, he's doing some tactics. He do some end games. Um, there's also this side chessable. Oh yeah, where you can uh, where you can memorize uh, uh, some variations if you want. So I I got him an account and I uploaded some PGN files, but I, which I made myself with openings. For instance, he was um, playing the um, the um, uh, Evans Gambit, and uh, but he didn't know uh, too much theory about it, and it's quite annoying when you uh, when you play you 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 sacrificing a pawn and you don't. How to proceed? Yeah. So what what he did that's, um, is uh, that he um, was training himself a little bit, and I must say I um, I have a friend in uh, who's living in the, in the states at the moment. It's, he's called Hans Schutt, 
and he is a national master and he uh, he made me um, uh, I, I had I hadn't heard of, of Chesable before but he made me notice this and he said that he um, has made a book by himself on Chesable with the Evans Gambit mm-hmm. so he, uh, he um, offered this for free and uh, my son was uh, doing this all the time and um, it was nice because also during the championship there was sometimes a chance that he could get this opening on the board and uh, before uh, prepara- uh, in the preparation he he could do this by himself on a computer for uh, let, let's say for half an hour just repeating the variations uh, by himself and um, if you go wrong you have to repeat this move three times right so uh, you know the, you know how it works yeah they're uh, they're some they're friends and supporters of the podcast so we talk about them often i mean both I mean, we've had their CEO on as well, as well as uh, John Bartholomew, their co-founder. So, uh, yeah, I'm okay. a big friends of theirs and a huge fan of their product. Uh, I'm one of the many people yeah. who says, I just wish that when I was working hardest on my chest that it had been around. But, I mean, I do try to steer my students into it just as you have with your son. Yeah. Yeah, it's good that uh, the best thing is when you are young, you learn the fastest way and you, you the memory is so um, flexible that uh, you he can um, he can um, um, get everything uh, immediately if he wants but uh, sometimes uh, yeah he's a little bit lazy and uh, <laughs> so um, well, it's, that's, it's, uh, uh, sorry to cut you off but I was just gonna say that's good to hear because I mean I mean not not lazy per se but again these are kids we're talking about and uh, it sounds like your son has accomplished a lot already in chess, but I mean, of course, I, I think it's good to have balance, like both as a yeah, child. Yeah, we like that. We like that too. Yeah, we. I think the social social environment is much more important than only chess. And uh, he likes to play with his friends and football to play football, but also other games. Uh, and uh, well, they they have. Uh, they attend to to each other's homes, and that's that's very good, and we we like that very much, and that's I think very important to uh, to have for your child. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And there may come a point where he just becomes consumed by the game, but let let him come to that on his own. And, it, and meanwhile, it doesn't sound like he's holding him back too much. So. Yeah, and he likes to he likes to he likes to play tournaments very well. So uh, that was for me the last two years. For me, and uh, kind of come back because I didn't play any any tournaments anymore. But because of him, I have to play because he wants to play in the weekend. So we go, yeah. we both go to a tournament and play uh, against adults. He plays. He has also he is also uh, um, a member of a club here in the neighborhood in Eindhoven, where where, where we live. And there's a club with um, with adults, and they have a competition on in the evening, which starts at eight o'clock. And which can last to twelve o'clock in the, in the night. So that's of course too long for a eight-year-old or nine-year-old now. Uh, but they have. Um, we spoke with uh, with the board, and they said, "Well, we can uh, we can have a, a junior tempo." So they we agreed on uh, forty-five minutes each player, beginning on eight o'clock. And he is um, he's playing every Tuesday evening. He plays against the adults, and uh, and there is he. Yeah, well, he's beaten sometimes, but also he uh, he beats he beats also a lot of them. So he uh, already promoted 
two groups uh, in this uh, in this club, so which is quite strong, because the best player in this club is almost 2300. So uh, that's that's okay when uh, he has a lot of achieve there. Yeah. Still. Yeah, I mean, it sounds sounds like he's off to a good start. Um, and you know, you've worked with so many players over the years. Um, I mean, just yeah. basically like so many titled players uh, from the Netherlands. So. Um, what's your opinion of uh, how important it is to to um, have a, a, a natural talent in chess, to have like natural calculating ability as opposed to just uh, enthusiasm and passion for the game? Well, that uh, I, maybe the best example is Luke van Weyli, of course, because yes. he was he was uh, in, in in his best times he was uh, top level. And well, he was just uh, devoted to chess. And he had uh, he had uh, a tactics uh, book on his uh, uh, near to his bed. He was reading uh, and and he was just breathing chess. Let's say, let's say. And um, when I was training him, and was uh, it was only uh, for two years, and uh, I was not an experienced trainer at the time. Uh, but I was coached by another training in Holland. Uh, he was inventor of the step method. Do you know the step method? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big fan step of that by as step well. Method, yeah. And he was, the, he was your well, trainer, as right? Well, he was a coach of the coaches. Okay. And uh, so let, uh, there was a kind of uh, construction in Holland that, um, uh, well, he was uh, the, the, the federation coach and um, he was training uh, a lot of trainers just with his own method, but also with his vision. And he was together with another guy, Brunia, who, who died. Uh, he passed away uh, many years ago already, quite young. Uh, and this guy was, uh, well, the, the first one, Cor van Weigerde, was an international master, strong player. And he was a teacher, a school teacher on the, not the primary school. And the other guy, Rob Brunia, was a psychologist and pedagogue. So he, um, they projected chess um, they projected, no, they projected the, um, uh, how do you say this, the, um, I don't know the English word for it, but um, the, the childhood on chess. Uh, so what a child is going through for some phases, let's, when you have a very young child, the young child is trying to catch everything with his hands, yes? You yes. understand? Yeah. And that's what they project on chess. So they say when you learn chess, it's step zero, step one. You have to catch everything you can take. So they have made exercises when you have to take with your rook a bishop, where you have to take an unprotected knight, etc., etc. And the second phase, what they are talking about, is the the more spatial thing. So when you have um, uh, the shepherd's mate. Bishop on c4, queen on f3, threatened mate on f7. An unexperienced player doesn't see the threat, so white takes with his queen on f7, and the opponent doesn't understand why it's mate, because he's, he thinks that the king can go to e7. That kind of geometrical things are difficult to learn, but they have made exercises to learn this. And this is, this is kind of step by step, they learn children how to employ themselves in this kind of things. So kind of mathematical um, uh, things they have to learn. And um, 
I was um, when I was um, getting my license as a trainer in Holland. I was uh, much more, um, uh, let's say, cleverer with my training sessions than before. So with Luke van Weyli, I after one half year, I already sent him to Van Weyli in Rotterdam because I said uh, you can learn a lot of more by him as by me. But of course, I have. Um, I've done the good things like um, to build his tactical ability, which was quite good with him. But he was also missing a lot because, well, when I when I um, knew him, he was only eight, nine years old, and he was eleven when uh, I sent him to another trainer because I thought um, he should uh, he should he should go there because he could then he could improve much faster than uh, staying with me. And uh, Van Wijnaldi called me once. He said, after two years, now a grandmaster must come because um, I'm not strong enough anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so fast was he, uh, was he improving. But uh, it was a nice experience because um, uh, this was the way for me to learn um, how to um, yeah how to support um, a talent talented player and later on i um i did a good job by um by some other players so what did you learn learned- you mentioned you mentioned that you feel like you became a better trainer in subsequent years which i you know as with chess hopefully we, we're all getting better at everything so what right. what's what specifically did you did you learn and did you later implement that you weren't really doing when you were working with uh young, future gm von Wheely? Yeah, this is a difficult question. Um, well, basically, I think that um, I made um, I made them work at home on the right things because they were doing the wrong things most of the time. They were studying openings. Yeah, a lot of that old bugaboo. You can, you can study openings all the time and right. uh, doesn't improve anymore. <laughs> but um, I was. Um, for instance, um, I was um, well um, doing some end games. They didn't like end games at all. But then I uh, showed them nice things about end games and also how important rook endings, for instance, would be in a game. And um, well, maybe I can tell an, a nice uh, anecdote. I, when I was um, already. Um, was uh, well, Favelli was already um, very strong grandmaster. He was uh, twenty. It was the first time that he got above twenty six hundred. He was twenty six oh five, and it was a moment that we played together against each other in a tournament in Antwerp in um, in Belgium, and I was twenty four oh five. So it was two hundred points less. But before this tournament started, he was playing a tournament somewhere, and I saw his games, and I said to him, "I can tell you." You can reach the world-class elite players when you do something about your rook endings. Your rook endings are not uh, not perfect. But uh, he didn't listen to me. He didn't like uh, this criti- criticism. And uh, it was also because I was low elo for him. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, we played this game and I was um, uh, doing well. But then suddenly I got in problems and uh, I, I was a pawn down and uh, I escaped. Try to escape in the rook ending, and uh, so so it happened. There was a rook ending, and this rook ending was totally lost. He was he had the advanced pawn, and uh, everything was it was lost. But suddenly he uh, 
he went uh, wrong and um, and I managed to draw it and he was so angry about it he uh, he almost threw away all the pieces when he um, he drew um, he had to to consider that it was a draw <laughs> and he he left the room and uh, went away and uh, I didn't speak to him anymore and uh, then some three months uh, later suddenly I got a call and he said does that offer of you about rook endings uh, does that still stay <laughs> can I attend to your home <laughs> I said of course you can <laughs> so it was very nice and yeah. uh, uh, we studied some end games, uh, which I studied uh, a lot, and I knew there were some positions which which I knew by heart, and I could learn him a little bit. But he was so strong at the moment that he uh, he did find a lot of new things that I uh, could uh, ever believe that it was possible in such any. But he was um, uh, it in, in um, what I want to want to say was that um, he liked uh, rook endings suddenly because. It it cost him it cost him a lot of points in uh, against the elite players, and that was um, that was that was clear for me, and that was also clear for him now, and uh, and that from that moment I think he um, he decided to to work together with Kamsky. He was uh, he was hired by Kamsky. Uh, for this world championship match against Karpov, maybe you remember this uh, oh, yeah. famous match. Yeah. And um, Luke, um, Luke tried to uh, to be a second, and uh, so he uh, he had to come to New York uh, just to um, uh, to show what he has uh, he has in mind. And um, after after this session they had, uh, he was hired immediately. This they thought, uh, well, he is a very creative. Uh, Player, he could have creative uh, ideas in the opening, but also in the middle games, and uh, they hired him uh, for half a year, and uh, and that was, I think, that was a very good step by Van Weyli. He, um, after this, he went. Uh, I think his best rating was 27, 25 or something, and was number ten of ten or fifteen on the world at that at that moment. So that was uh, was incredible. Uh, how he improved uh, after this, after this, uh, this, this, um, uh, how do we say this, um, working together with Kamsky. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it makes sense where, you know, being around such a, um, incredible player that, of that course, it would be a yeah. good opportunity. Um, yeah. So Herman, we have a couple questions for you from supporters of the podcast and they're mostly related to chess improvement because of course, as such an accomplished uh, trainer, a uh, couple people want to pick your brain. So uh, the the first question is from friend of the podcast, Chris Wainscott, who asks, uh, how should a player select a coach? And more importantly, how should a player grade the work a coach has done with them after they've taken a reasonable number of lessons? Whoa, it's a very difficult question because, uh, of course, it's uh, um, a coach. Um, well, we we say that uh, you must get you must get along with each other. Of course, it's very important. Uh, you must like each other, and uh, if it's if if you don't like each other, then it doesn't work. Of course. Yeah. But um, uh, I think he he means that. Um, um, how do we choose a coach? Well. What I what um, what I can say is um, um, sometimes uh, some some players uh, choose for a coach who is a very strong player, 
but maybe not on the coach level, which um, in which I mean that um, some some uh, strong grandmasters can't uh, get five steps down to the level of the of the player where they um, have to um, to deal with, and that is uh, that's a big problem, I think. It's it happened with uh, some of the pupils I had. They were attending to um, to some strong grandmasters and um, and they didn't improve at all. Uh, it 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 cost a lot of years that uh, that they saw some progression, and that was because of um, the the strength of the of the coach. It was the guy was maybe too strong, um, and he could not uh, understand why some people don't understand this basic things. Yeah. I think uh, you should go with like like the step method, step by step. So, um, for instance, when you have a rating of fourteen hundred, uh, you don't you don't need a grandmaster. Just uh, a nice guy who has twenty one hundred, and uh, he has his um, um, understanding of how to coach him, how to help uh, somebody with uh, fourteen hundred. That's more useful, I think, than uh, to have uh, a coach who has not any idea of uh, of the strength. What what the strength means of fourteen hundred? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I think that's important. I do feel like um, back fifteen years ago, I feel like uh, grandmasters were almost notorious for being. Uh, with you know, of course, with a few notable exceptions, but they were notorious for not necessarily being good communicators, but. In in now that chess is sort of, I, I feel like it's become more popular, and with all of the yeah. the content on online on YouTube and Chess Twenty Four and Chess dot com and Chessable and everywhere else, I feel like the the bar has been raised. And generally, even grandmasters are often better communicators than they used to be. But you certainly do come across come, do come across uh, higher yeah. rated, higher rated coaches who just. They don't want to do any preparation, and they don't want to tailor anything, and they might, like you say, they might not be the best at communicating basic ideas. Um, so yeah, what about yeah. the second part of the question about, um, about how to judge how the coach is doing? Um, well, of course the coach, um, um, what, what a coach should do, I think is to look at the games of the, of, of his pupil and, uh, to give some advice of how he can prove. Um, in my experience, what I see when I um, see some coaches are, are doing is um, they um, they give a lot of question marks on all the moves uh, the pupil makes, and um, that's very frustrating uh, the first time. And the second thing is that um, it's it's not, in my opinion, it's not good to um, to give a lot of criticism for uh, a person who is uh, doing his best. The best thing you can do, in my opinion, is to take one thing what's going wrong in, in a game, is to take this out, to give some fine examples by uh, good players about this topic, and try to improve one thing. And when it's improving, then you take another step, you take the second thing what you can find in these games, and so on. So, um, when, I, when I'm... Uh, Walking through an analysis room in in a tournament, and I see some coaches are um, 
playing through the games with with their pupils. Yes, that's mm-hmm. a common uh, um, thing in uh, in, in Dutch uh, chess. And I see some coaches which are criticizing almost every move of the pupil, which of course the pupil doesn't like, and of course is not it's not useful. It's 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 not helping because the pupil doesn't have the level where he can understand that kind of move can be bad for him. It's a good move. Right. Yeah. So on on fourteen hundred level. Um, a pawn sacrifice with d4, d5 is a good move. And on grandmaster level, it costs a pawn. Right. Right? Yeah. And, and such things. I can uh, I can tell you another story. Um, I was um, I was having a kind of strong um, junior group in Holland um, with players who almost, most of them are grandmaster or master now at the, at the, at the moment. And at the time, they were... Uh, 15 or 16 years old and they were also already 2200, 2300 and I was trying to train them and um, there was a, a, another group and the, the ratings were much lower, it was 2000 till 2150 something and was another trainer. What I was doing in my topic I was, um, I showed them a, a weak pawn on d6 for black, black has a weak pawn on d6 I told them how can you how can you uh, go for this weak pawn? What, what what is your strategy? The strategy is just to put a strong knight on d5 that the pawn can't come forward. Yes, mm-hmm. just you have to restrict the, the 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 pawn. And if the pawn is restricted, then you have to move your pieces elsewhere, like Petrosian showed us in his his best days. Yeah, I think you had you had a game in the club player book, a Petrosian game with this theme, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, right. That is exactly what I mean. Yes, and um, it's not easy to to win this pawn. Yes, it is. It's a lot of. It needs a lot of uh, a lot of uh, strategic insights to to know how what what to do to get this big pawn. Yes. Yeah, it's a really but cool what, really cool game. I, I don't. I hadn't recalled seeing it before. But Petrosian Plonic, yeah, Plonic is it? Was the, I don't know how to say you're the really, other guy's name. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very right. Yes, yes, it's, very, it's a very nice game. So, but then I, I showed I showed him this example. I showed another example, and then I started to play a simul with a position. They they have to they have to win a weak pawn of mine. Yes. So I was giving a simul, and they have to to uh, to show if if they understood what I was talking about. Yes. And they tried and tried and tried. And it was very difficult to win my weak pawn. Yes. In the and when we had a break, I went in the room of the other trainer. I was just looking on, 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 on what he was doing on the demonstration board. And he was talking about the minority attack. Hmm. And I said to him, oh, what are you doing, guy? Um, minority attack is there is, a, there is a, no weak point in the position. You are trying to make a weak point in, on the C file, yes? You, you have to make B3, B4, B4, B5. B takes C six, but that's that's a long way from home to come there. Yes. Yeah. So I said, come to my room. You see, there's a, there is already a weak pawn, and they don't <laughs> get this pawn, and they are they have one hundred elo points more than your group. What are you doing? <laughs> so this is exactly what I mean. You know. Right. And this is the 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 order in in which you present your material. It's very important. Huh. That's a opinion. good example. That's interesting. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so we've got another question from the most mysterious Patreon supporter of the show. His name is Moonmaster9000, which I don't know if that means it's a, or I shouldn't say his name, his uh, pseudonym. Uh, I don't know if that means he's a master of the moon. I don't know if it's like Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin protecting their identity. Very mysterious, this Moonmaster, but he's got a lot of good questions. So here he goes. He says, a 1,700-rated player who's been playing for a year has decided to become a grandmaster in 10 years' time. What does it take? <laughs> I've read this, yes. <laughs> um, well, I, may, I wish him good luck, of course. <laughs> prayer. It takes prayer. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think he must pray, yes. Um, I think it's not easy. It, um, uh, I think um, it has to do with the um, research of uh, Professor de Groot. This is a Dutchman who... Uh, who, oh, yeah, famous, who has a PhD, yeah. you, you know, this famous one. Eh? He said that um, to become a grandmaster or master, you need uh, more than, uh, what is it? 10,000 hours uh, in a few years to, uh, uh, and you have to do the right things as well. Otherwise, you, you will not come there if what, what you want to achieve. But, um, of course, uh, when he's intelligent and um, he has some experience already, um, it, it, it could be possible. But um, it's still very hard. I, yeah. um, I think um, um, I, when I when, – uh, for instance, um, when I was talking to Brunia, Brunia was the pedagogue. He said to me, um, in, in chess, uh, knowledge is, uh, is power, but not only. Not only knowledge is necessary. You also need the skills – to uh, put this power into uh, into practice, and that's um, and that's very important what he said to me. And so I said to him, um, so what kind of skills does a chess player need? So we were inventorizing. Inven- how do you say this? Inventorizing. Yeah, take, taking this, inventory. It, yeah. Take inventory. Yeah. About his um, um, the skills, and there's a lot of skills like imagination. Like um, 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 yeah, calc- when, when you are, when you need to calculate, you need visu- visualization. You also need methodical uh, um, visualization. You need to you need to uh, to search for A, B, C. What kind of what are candidate moves? What are not candidate moves? A grandmaster can filter away uh, moves which are uh, completely nonsense. But how is a weak player decide? How can he decide which is which is a, a candidate move and which is not? That's not easy. So what what does he need? How does he know that? And that has to, that has to do with orientation. And Bruno said to me he was he was making exercises for children. He said you have to learn this before you're twelve. Hmm. Kind of imagination things. And he said that because and. Um, in your brains, you have to you have the left and the right side of the brains, yes, mm-hmm. and um, they are not connected before you're 12. But if they are connected, then it is very hard to improve the visualization before you can learn it perfectly. So my girlfriend is also a teacher of uh, was a teacher of uh, of chess children, and there was a guy and he was eight years old and he. He already said on eight years old, I want to be I want to become I want to become the grandmaster. And she was doing a good job with him 
And um, she was doing this uh, this exercise by Brunia. Some exercises, blindfold exercises. Uh, a lot of exercises she did with him. And now he um, he was um, um, he became a grandmaster when he was 19 years old, and he could perfectly um, solve a, a very difficult endgame study by heart. Just he, he didn't need a chessboard. It was incredible because he learned this before he was 12. Hmm. We think. Yeah. And um, this could be very important because in, that means. I, I can you I can uh, I can tell you maybe one um, one uh, example of uh, what Brunia was doing with a group of children. Um, let let's say he was um, he was he teaching a group of, of of twelve children with age seven year seven or eight years old. Yes, and he said to them, "We are going to try to jump with a knight on an empty board blindfold, but they have the empty board before." Before their nose, yes, they were sitting in a in a in a circle, and he said to person number one, child number one, your knight is on B1. Just move the knight. Well, this child this child said, okay, I jump with my knight from B1 to C3. Okay, number two, C3 to E2. Okay, number three, E2 to F4. Okay, when they make an incorrect move, the other the other ones have to uh, to scream. Incorrect. Something mm. like this, yes? It was mm-hmm. a kind of game, yes? Okay, then they went uh, through the circle. The knight was jumping all over the board. And then he said, okay, we make it more difficult. In the middle of the board, there is a kind of uh, lake. <laughs> if the knight falls in the lake, yes, you are off. The other ones have to follow all the moves because they have to say you're off as well. So, they went jumping with the knight as well. And then suddenly someone said, knight e5, and the rest called, off, <laughs> you're off. And so then he said, Brunia said, okay, now the b file and the g file, this is a kind of mud uh, uh, barrier. If the knight goes there, we all say blub. <laughs> <laughs> so he makes, he makes kind of game of it, and the children like this very much. And so they are just playing with a knight on an empty board, and then suddenly the boards were put away. So they were uh, they have to focus on a on an empty board they didn't see. And the children said, "But that, that's what we we can't. How can we do this?" But he said, "You can already. You have done it today. So we do it again." And it worked. And things like this were very uh, amazing, and I uh, I was watching this, uh, and uh, and I I did this myself as well in all my training sessions. All the children I train was are doing this kind of things with them, and they also yeah. give the, I give them exercises to do at home. So they get a piece of paper, and there are some uh, short games from the beginning. Uh, I give an example. I play e4. I play. Black plays e5, um, white plays queen h5, and then um, black touches his king, and he has to play king e7. Mm-hmm. So, what's your next move? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you see it, of course. Yes, yeah, checkmate. Takes, <laughs> checkmate, yes. Mm-hmm. So, the children has to write down queen takes e5, checkmate, yes? 
okay, that's exercise one, exercise two, and so so on, so on. And these kind of things, we are just we have developed, and uh, a lot I have made a lot of material about this. And uh, most of the children I I was training, they do this. Also, my son uh, has done a lot of kind of things. So his imagination is very is fantastic. He uh, he can calculate uh, some variations in in a game. Yesterday he won against a 1700 player, and he had seen a variation. It was fantastic. Uh, uh, I thought he was wrong, but he was right. So he uh, he was uh, beating me in this analysis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just to sort of tie it together for Moonmaster nine thousand, and I'm you know I'm I don't consider myself a, a huge authority on this topic, but I mean I will say it does seem like. The the older you you start, I don't know how old you are, Moonmaster, um, but the older you start, probably the harder you're going to have to work on calculation and visualization to sort of catch up yeah. to to what of Herman is talking Im- about. Yeah, you can improve it uh, certainly. That's that's for sure. I I also w- uh, work with adults, and some adults also improve this, but it's not. It goes not smoothly. It goes it goes with a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, headaches, uh, <laughs> I would yeah. say. Yeah, and I don't know why it is. You know, I don't know what the the brain science behind it is, but certainly, like, there's no no 24 year old who's not, you know, even if you're six foot six or something, uh, very tall, oh. um, is going to suddenly say, "I, I want to make the NBA in 10 years." Um, not, you know, it does, they they've come to grips with it doesn't work that way, but there's something. Um, elusive about chess where it just it seems like the things you don't know are just beyond your grasp when in reality they might be way beyond your grasp in my experience yeah um, it's true yeah so you have to start young yeah yeah and, uh, and i don't uh, yeah and, and we have it a lot of mostly. listeners yeah I, and we have a lot of listeners who love chess and are working really hard to get better so i don't you know i don't want to I don't want to discourage people either. Obviously, yeah, you, you can always well, I, improve, I can but you need realistic goals. Yeah. yeah, you have to be realistic. That's true. But still, um, when you are training, uh, you're doing more than your opponent, the most of your opponents. Right. And um, I was uh, doing a course here uh, for um, retired persons, <laughs> uh, quite old guys, uh, tend to my course. I, I was doing this more for, for more than 10 years in my uh, home place. And, um, well, some of the guys, after three years, he said to me, he came to me and said, it's, I don't know if it's because of your your courses or not, but I became club champion for the first time of my whole life. And the guy was 64 years old. So That's great. <laughs> there are really chances to improve, I'm sure. And he was doing every he was every day doing uh, what I was same to him, and um, now it's uh, he managed it. So for him, it was a great achievement. Yeah. So that maybe this this gives some lot in lot of energy for also older persons, right? <laughs> Just to, uh, to go on with it. Yeah. Um, so we only have a few more minutes, Herman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we don't have more time because you've you've got such a lifetime of experience and knowledge about chess. So maybe we can uh, pick this up on on another occasion. But but why don't we uh, d- talk about your books a little bit? I mean, so you you came out with a new edition of Chess Strategy for Club Players, which won Book of the Year. Um, and as I said, I was uh, being the I'm I'm rated about 2150 feet a. So when I picked it up, I was sort of thinking like. 
oh, maybe this will help me with my teaching, you know. <laughs> but yes. then I found yes. myself like, wait a minute, this is helping. My, this is helping my chest too. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's uh, it's um, it's for club players, but it's I would say. 17 1800 on up and it's challenging material and you get great bang for your buck because especially i think in the newer edition which i read on forward chest there's just a ton of a wealth of material um what else have you been have you been working on writing well i have uh, this is um uh, on um uh, editor uh, new and chess yes and i i wrote a second book for them it was um published in uh, 2016 that was attacking chess for um for club players and uh, maybe I can. This is the funny thing is that um, this material is um, a little bit about this, uh, developing those skills. What I, we're, we're talking about. Okay. So and uh, a lot of material is also collected by my girlfriend Petra Schuurman, who was uh, uh, for more than ten years she was uh, the Olympia team of uh, of Holland uh, on the second board behind uh, Chinese. Girl Peng, who was uh, number ten of the world when she came to Holland and uh, uh, became a resident of, of the Netherlands, but um, uh, she was um, training a lot of uh, young uh, young uh, pupils, and uh, she also uh, created a lot of material. And I was what I was doing was just collecting the material and made a kind of structure to put it in a book. And um, this is also uh, I think is a nice. It became a nice one, and what I'm doing lately is that I am um, also working now for uh, uh, Thinkers Publishing. It's a Belgian um, editor. Yes, yes. We and, recently talked to Roman Edward. Yes, and the, um, yeah, I'm working together with this guy. Um, what I'm doing was um, I have a column in the in the Dutch um, in the in the in the magazine of the Federation. What is called in 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 Dutch is called begrijp what you do. That means uh, we we have we have translated this understanding before moving. And now I what I'm doing now doing is to try to have the material I had collected for this column. I only had two pages in the magazine, and uh, I had to throw away more than eighty percent what I did, what I created. So I thought it would be better to make books of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, this Belgian guy, uh, he was um, he was very curious about it, and uh, he thought it was uh, a brilliant idea to help uh, club players to improve on openings, not by studying the moves, but just by studying the structures. And I'm helping them in in those books just to um, to show them how you can make, how you can design a plan, how you can design a concept. Because that it it uh, this column be uh, well, it what I what what I would like to say was that when I gave this course in Eindhoven for club players, uh, I asked the guy, the people who were attending to this course just to show me their games. So they sent me my, their games, yes, and I went through those games. And um, when I was going through the moves. Um, and was also telling in this book, it uh, appeared like me for me that like ping pong. They just make a move, opponent makes another move, and they were thinking, okay, he did this. Oh, what am I doing? Going to do now? Okay, I make this move. Okay, make this move, and then oh, the guy does this. Oh, I haven't seen this. Oh, I make another move. All right, but there was no concept. There was no plan at all, 
and that was just behind the opening. Um, they had no idea, no clue how to move the pieces, where are the, my pieces going, what to do with the pawn structure, and etc. etc. So I, th- I said to myself, that is um, that's maybe necessary for a lot of players, just how to create this, how can you do it? And um, well, um, in these books are not too many moves, not too many uh, moves about openings. I think there are a lot of openings books where you can find the moves. You have, you have, you also have a database nowadays, so that's not a problem. But the problem is, um, the opponent does not play the move which is in my textbook. Yes. So what I'm going to do now? Right. And that's the that's the starting point where I begin my books. That's and, good. Um, yeah. Yeah, it gets back I think a little a lot bit. Of to, people like it. Yeah. Yeah, it gets back a little bit to what you were saying about Rob Brunia uh, talking about the left and the right brain. I mean, there's a temptation to just use the left brain when you're learning openings and just try to remember moves. But really, right. especially yeah. especially for lower level players, it's more important to have sort of a conceptual idea of of what yeah. it is that you're trying to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's better not to repeat the motion because um, after after one year you you forget everything. So you have to you have to design your plan as well by, yeah. by yourself. Yeah, and stuff like chessable uh, is incredibly helpful in terms of uh, helping you remember right. more efficiently. Yeah. But but you still need to know yeah. why you're playing the moves. Right. Um, okay. Well, on that note, again, uh, Herman, I could. I could ask you a ton more questions and I hope to do so someday. We didn't even get to uh, your favorite chess books and your favorite chess games. Um, but unfortunately I have to go teach a class. Um, so, yeah. uh, oh. so um, if someone wants to reach you, uh, is there a, a preferred way for them to do so? Uh, yes, they can. Um, well, the best, best thing is to, to get to my email. Okay. Is it's, it okay? Uh, to sh- oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's uh uh, H uh, Groton, uh, this H G R O O T E N. Why do you say this in English? <laughs> uh, at. At, at. Yeah. At, and then um, X S for A double L dot NL. Okay, so yeah, I will I will put that in the show notes, and uh, we will. Um, and yep. I do recommend your books, and yeah, I hope to hope to speak to you again someday. Um, thanks thanks for coming on and uh, sharing some of your uh, knowledge and experience. Okay, thank you very well, and um, it's good that you gave a class because uh, there are a lot of pupils waiting outside. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yeah. With uh, as a chess teacher, I feel like your number one job is always to show up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> yeah. Everything beyond that is uh is um negotiable. But but uh, you can't yes. be a class without a teacher. So no. Okay. Well, thanks again, and uh, good luck to your son. Uh, we'll be tracking him as well as uh, looking out for for uh, your current and future projects. Okay. Thank you very well. You're welcome. Thanks to everyone who makes Perpetual Chess possible. Of course, that includes Matthew Passy, my producer, and Geert Vandervelt for supplying the intro music. I also want to thank everyone who helps spread the word about the show. That includes people who tell their friends, tweet about it, share on Facebook. Apparently, Instagram is a thing. Every little bit helps grow the show. But most of all, I want to thank people who support the show financially. I've said this before, but Perpetual Chess is my most gratifying but least paying work. If everyone who listened to the show were able to kick in $1 a month, 
it would be my best paying and most gratifying work. So I want to thank those who are able to provide financial support. That includes extra special thanks to Chessable.com, Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, Dan O'Hanlon, Greg Shahadi, John Jernigan, and Todd Bryant. And I also want to thank all of my Patreon and PayPal perpetual partners. Here comes the list. You guys ready? Here we go. Ace Vallega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adam Vrancourge, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Benjamin Handelman, BetterChessTraining.com, Bill Moran, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Mullis, I am Carlos Perdoma of ChessAtlanta.com, Chad Hilton, Chad Oliver, Chris Balcom, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Chabri, Christopher Wood. Good job, Christophers. I am Christoph Zalicki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Daniel Gell, Daniel Ginsburg, Daniel Lucas, Daniel Naylor, Daniel Schaefer. Good job, Daniels. Dave Saylor, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith. I am Elect Donnie Ariel Esquire. Fox Valley Chess Club of Aurora, Illinois, Frank Tortoris, MD, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt, Gerard Barta, Giovanni Russo, Harish Srinivasan, GM Jakob Ogar of Quality Chess Publishing, James Bonastia, Jason Willem, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, John Fartentain, John Hartman, Jen Shahadi, Jens Green, Jerry Wells, John Thompson, GM Josh Friedel, Kari Christensen, WGM Katarina Namsova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovrutsky, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Laura Belyavsky, Lucio Casada Silva, Matthew Passi, Martin Habich, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, the mysterious Moon Master 9000, Mr. Michael Shahadi, Nate Salon, Nathan Webster, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Rob Lazorchek of DiplomatChess.com, Robert Steiner, Ryan Berg, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Steiner Lima, The Law Office of Stuart Katz, WGM Tatia Babrahamian, Thomas Casper, Thomas Stanek, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com. His book is coming to Chessable. Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Victor Vrinkush, FM Zhao Cheng of Chess1000.com, and Zhivko Stoyano. Thank you, everyone, and I will catch you all next week. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.